Welcome to A Church in the City, a podcast sharing messages, sermons, and talks from Downtown Christian Church in Grand Rapids, Michigan. We exist to empower a movement of passionate Jesus followers. On this episode, we're sharing a talk titled Living in the Presence of the King from Jamie Grinwis, originally recorded May 23, 2021. This is the last session from a six-week series titled The Kingship of Christ, exploring how Scripture reveals to us over and over who Jesus is and why He is worthy to be called the King of Kings. Um, Katie, who was singing with us this morning, has been a part of our worship team for a long time. And she's been missing in action as far as this goes for since last February when she went into the hospital. And so Katie's been on a road to healing. And so tomorrow, this morning feels so redemptive to me. It like feels like this marker, like God's giving us like a physical picture of, you know, breakthrough and things, things that are to come. And so obviously I'm excited to have her back. She's fully healed, fully functioning. The breath that's in her lungs is flowing and we're reaping the benefits. And I appreciate your sentiments, Lisa. Is that the right word, babe? He's not listening. Anyway, I appreciate, you know, wanting to go back to that song, but we already have a song selected for the closer. So, you know, I'm just saying. It was per my request, and Caleb even had to build his own music for it, so it's going to be awesome. So get stirred up, get fired up. It's going to be good. A um, couple of caveats again today. I'm going to read a lot um, from the text, if that bothers you. I don't really know what to tell you about that. Um, the other part is that I did steal a lot of this message from a book I've been listening to. But the way I look at it, he stole it from the text. So it's fair game. It's fair game. Um, I do only have 12 pages. So that should flow really quickly. Luckily for you guys, I'm blind as a bat and they're all in like 38 fonts. So we should be good. Like no problem. So just to be honest, like just to be transparent with you guys, I struggled all week with what I shared last week. I I was up all Sunday night. struggled again on Monday, just really, you know, kind of replaying. And this is not, this is not my normal MO is to sit there and go, man, I should have said this. I should have said that. I could have said this more eloquently, da, da, da. Like that is not normally who I am. And it just really bothered me. And so I appreciate everybody who reached out to me this week and just kind of said that, you know, God touched you in a different way or, or got, you know, convicted you in something because it was like, it was a struggle for me. And honestly, the biggest reason why I think it was a struggle is because I, I feel like it's time for us to start encouraging the body of Christ to act like the body of Christ, to function as the body of Christ, to do the Jesus stuff. But it's a scary thing to do because as we're encouraging people to step out, I somehow, for some reason, feel a personal responsibility for God to show up on your behalf. And I know I say that out loud, it's stupid, right? What a dumb thing to say. Like, why am I responsible for what God's doing? But that's the responsibility I feel, right? Like, what if God, what if you step out? What if you go to do something and God doesn't show up? What then? And it made me think of um, a story, Hezekiah, when he was younger, was so reckless. Like, just so, just always, you know, yeah. (laughs) 
are you going to heckle me? Is, this, is that what's going on here? <laughs> um, so we were at the park one day, and um, no, 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 that was the second thing. So he used to go to my aunt's daycare. She's here today, a little shout out to the most amazing woman in the world, Tammy. Um, so he used, to go to, he used to go to her daycare, both my boys did, and one day we were leaving, and he um, expressed himself and just decided to share his feelings by like thrashing his body all over the place. I'm sure none of your children have ever done this when they were little. And I was holding his hand when he did and I felt, while I was holding his hand, I felt something pop when he started just thrashing around. Like I I felt it. And I'm like, and so then we got in the car and he's just screaming and screaming, but it wasn't like a scream, like I'm mad anymore. It was a scream like I'm in pain. Well, also when he was little, he would literally fall. We had one day that he fell off the deck onto the top of his head and just got up and was like, went about his day. So, so many things are coming into perspective this morning. (laughs) Sorry, Hez. I don't know where he is. I'm so sorry, Hez. I love you. Um, so anyway, it was just not like him to, to, to really struggle with stuff like that. Like he was pretty tough. And so I'm like, something's wrong. Like I just knew as a mom, something's wrong, something's wrong. So I drove straight to uh, Dan and Barb's. They had a clinic uh, on the West side. And I said, mom, you gotta, look at, you gotta look at him. Something's wrong, something's wrong. And she fell through his arms. She said, yeah, it's broken. His arm's broken. And I was like, What? what? This is okay. All right. This is what we're doing. This is fine. Um, and so she's like, I'm going to call ER. You need to get down to ER. Okay. So I called Kevin, put the kids in the car and drove them down to ER. And there we sat, we checked in there. We sat with my little boy for two and a half hours. And I, it's very, and honestly, like when they went to call us up, like the, even the nurse said, listen, like something's wrong. Like normally we, like with little kids, if there's something wrong, we get them in like this. She's like, I'm so sorry. I don't know what happened. Well, in the midst of that two and a half hours, right? Our faith is being tested. Like, what do we do? What do we do here? What do we do? And we just prayed and prayed. And the part that was like hanging over Kevin and I both, Kevin and I both is that Tristan was there too. And Tristan was at total peace and he's just like, well, we prayed, so it should be fine. And so I'm sitting there as a parent going, God, you, you better show up because this little boy is watching. Like, I need you to show up because it could leave a mark on him if you don't, you know? And they did a set of x-rays on him. Yup, it's broken. We need to do some more x-rays. They do another set of x-rays. Oh, no, we read those wrong. It's not broken. And, you know, I sat and I listened to my mom's testimony this morning. And here's the thing, guys, we can sit and explain it away. Oh, obviously her doctor made a mistake the first time. This is what we do. Obviously, that must be what it was. Yeah, because we want to take things down to our own level. I know what happened that day. I know what happened that day. I don't have any doubt. I know that God healed my son. And, and, to, the, and to, you know, to the same point that, that Nan made earlier, you know, two weeks later, he broke his collarbone. And we had to walk that out. We prayed for him and we had to walk it out. And his healing came through time and it came through doctors. And that's, that's how it came. And why do I share all that? So this morning we're talking about the kingship of Christ. This is the last week. So maybe 
this series and now you're relieved. Maybe you're sick of listening to me talk. Don't worry, Chris is up next week. You'll be encouraged. It's mandatory. It's fine. So, um, but the thing I want to focus on today to me is, the, is one of the most important things and that's living in his presence. This is where Jesus lived. This is what he did. This is, this is what he was about. This is what he demonstrated. And this is where everything derives from. This is where everything comes from. And one of the things that I just kept thinking about this week is that we continue to try to decide how the Spirit of God is going to behave and move because of the fact that we believe something should happen in a certain way. And it's so, again, ridiculous and obvious that none of us have spent enough time in the text to believe these things because Jesus didn't do anything the same way. This blind guy, he heals this way. This blind guy, he heals that way. This guy comes down through the roof. He forgives his sins. Like he does, he, he does what, what's in the moment to do. There's no like method. There's no formula. There's no removal of the presence of God or removal of the spirit. He's living and operating and working within them. And that was his heart. And in the midst of that, it was all done out of the overflow of presence. And I think that that's a lost art in this day and age. Relationally, us with each other, um, I think the last two years of the society globally has hindered our connection, has hindered our face-to-face, has hindered our relationships, has hindered our intimacy. Everything is a, you know, what is it, 52-minute Zoom call, because at that point the call drops. So the conversation's over, we're done. You know, whether you were done or not, it's over. It's, this is the end of it, you know? And that's just not what was demonstrated for us. So I just kind of want to, I want to live there a little bit today. I heard it described this week. Somebody said, is this water bottle full? It's unopened, right? So obviously it's still full. But yet this person said like, and I I was going to do the demonstration, but I I thought maybe that my OCD would take over and I wouldn't be able to handle it. Um, but this person basically said this, this, an object is not full until it's overflowing. And I just love that idea. It's not full until something's coming out of it. Cause at that point there is always still room. There's always still void. There's always still things. And, and the thing that God just keeps saying to me is Jamie, like, don't, don't stop short of your, of our time together in your, in my presence being about the filling of you. Because Jesus went and he spent time with the Father and he was renewed and he was restored and he was encouraged. And then we're gonna talk about where he went from there and what he did from there. So that's what we're talking about today. So the Father is speaking to you this morning. So be listening. He has things to say. I think the morning's already been set up and uh, I, think he's, I think he's got some amazing things on his mind. Um, so I wanna read some scriptures. I just wanna read a few. You don't have to just stories from the text and hopefully you guys can stay with me. You can just jot them down. You don't have to turn to each one unless you want to. It's totally fine. Luke 6, 12. It was at that time that he went off to the mountain to pray and he spent the whole night in prayer to God. And when day came, he called his disciples to him, chose the 12 whom he had also named as apostles. He lists their names. And then it goes on to say, Jesus came down with them, stood on a level place, and there was a large crowd of his disciples and a great throng of people from all of Judea, 
Jerusalem and the coastal region of Tyre and Sidon, who had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. And those were all, they were also troubled with unclean spirits and they were being cured. And all the people were trying to touch him for power was coming from him and healing them all. Luke, 37, Luke 9, 37. On the next day, when they came down from the mountain, a large crowd met with him and a man shouted from the crowd saying, teacher, I beg you to look at my son for he's only a boy and the spirit seizes him and suddenly he screams and it throws him into convulsion with a foaming at the mouth and only, dif- only difficulty does it leave him. I love that he says, this is my only son because I feel like Jesus is just so touched with compassion in this moment. He's just so moved so deeply. Like that's just, when I read it, that's the way I feel. He says, I begged your disciples to cast it out and they could not. And Jesus answered them saying, you unbelieving and perverted generation, how long do I have to stay with you and put up with you? Bring the son here. And while he was still approaching, the demon slammed to the ground and threw into a convulsion, but Jesus rebuked the unclean and healed the boy. And they were amazed. That was also coming down from his moment up, in the, up on the mountain in prayer. Mark 135, in the early morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got out and left the house and went away to a secluded place and he was praying there. Simon and his companions searched for him and they found him and said, everyone's looking for you. And he said, let us go somewhere else to the nearby towns and pray so that way we can pray for them. And he went to their synagogues all throughout Galilee. He preached and he cast out demons. Then Luke 9, 18, um, there's, there's a whole story there where Jesus goes up to the mountainside and it's known as you know, the Mount of uh, Transfiguration, I think is what they call it, to where he brings some of his disciples up and they see some of the prophets there and like this wild stuff happens or whatever. So then he comes down and he casts a demon out of a child and changes a family forever. Luke 5, 15, The news about him was spreading even farther and large crowds were gathering near him to be healed of their sickness. But Jesus often would slip away and go to the wilderness to pray. So I guess my first question is, when we spend time in his presence, when we come down from those mountains, what's happening? What's happening in our lives? What's happening with those around us? After we spend time with the Father, when you come out and you encounter all the people in your lives, what's happening? Is anything happening? Is, are people being changed? This is what happened myself too. Are people being changed? Are they being healed? Are they being set free? Because this is what happened when he came out of these moments with the Father. That's incredible. This is amazing. I don't say that to bust anybody's buns. I say that to say we should be stirred up with expectation of what the Father wants to do post time together, post sharing his heart. I mean, I was thinking about that all week. Like, why? Why did Jesus go? Why did he do that? Like, okay, he was God, but he was man. But, you know, we sit and we live in all of this, you know, contradiction and we're trying to sort it all out. What was he doing there? What was going on? What was the point? Why weren't we brought into those conversations? Like all these things that I sit and think about and I, I, like, I toil over. And I really believe that what was happening there is that the father was sharing his heart with his son. And the son was sharing his heart with the father. And the father was sharing with him how much he loves him, how much his thoughts are more than the sands on the seashore, which are the same thoughts that he has about us. We have this concept in our mind that God's, God's attention is elsewhere until all of a sudden I say, hey, Father, 
hey, Jesus. And then all of a sudden he's like, oh, hey, how are you? That's our concept. But that's not according to scripture. Scripture said his mind is fixed on you. His gaze is fixed on you. His thoughts are so many you could never count them. Yet we think that he's busy or distracted or not interested, and yet this is his heart. Him desiring for you to spend time in his presence is not for anything else other than for him to share his heart with you, for him to show you his goodness, for him to teach you these amazing things that he dreams about, that he wants to dream about with you. This is what's on his heart. You are on his heart. This world is on his heart. Your neighbors are on his heart. Your coworkers, your children, the things that burden you, they burden you because they burden him. And he wants us to participate in those answers and to come out of that presence and start to pair up with how he wants to solve something, how he wants to change something, what he wants to do differently. Yeah, Katie had to walk her healing out for a year and a half. Other people, their story is that they went into the hospital with this weird rare pneumonia that she had and maybe they were healed instantly. Maybe that's their story. Maybe that's their journey. I'm not here to question his journey. I'm here to say, let's connect with the Father. And let's say what's on your heart, what's on your mind. And when you go before him, share the things that are on your mind. Yes, talk to him about the places that you're feeling in lack. We talked about that last week. But don't allow that conversation. We can't spend our lives anymore allowing the conversation to stop there and then we just leave. Because it's about the overflow. It's about the abundance. It's about, Father, what's on your heart? What do you want to do? He wants us to shape culture, change culture, create culture. Heart is desperate for those that are around you. And he wants to show himself through you and to you. God's been talking to me a lot. And I shared a little bit about this last week, about my inner dreamer. And I, one of the things he's been sharing with me this week, just as I've been trying to be intentional about it, is I've understood that up until this point, I made that the lack of dreams about me. You know, why, what, what, you know, I shared with you guys last week, what's the point? What's the point? Why do I need to dream? Life is good. I can just do this or I could whatever. And God's saying, Jamie, this is not just about you dreaming, This is about the overflow that comes from the things that I have for you, the people that will be touched, the lives that will be changed. You know, Jesus prayed this prayer. To me, I only see, and maybe I'm wrong, Kevin, I'll shout out, I'm sure if I am. Um, I only see two places in scripture where Jesus talks about prayer. Like specific, like this is, this is either how you should pray or he demonstrates it in the sense of like seeing this conversation. No, that's not true. There is more. But anyway, um, one of the ones the disciples ask him, how should we pray? And I, I would very boldly say this is not a prayer that Jesus did because part of that prayer is confession of sin and Jesus had none. So it was a demonstration that he was giving for us to follow. It's amazing, you know? Um, and I, I would normally be able to quote it. Now it's completely gone. We used to do it every Sunday at my grandma's house. Um, but the other one is in John 17, where Jesus just finished talking to his disciples about the fact that he was going to die. And then all of a sudden he shifts into prayer and has a conversation with the father in front of them. Part of me is like, that must've been a little awkward. You know what I mean? <laughs> like you're just sitting there having a conversation and then all of a sudden he just turns. But, but how beautiful in the same sense, And he starts talking in John 17. I really encourage you this week, just read that one chapter. 
just read it. It's so good. And he starts talking in there about, he's like, Father, you know, it's t- my time has come. You know, I've completed what you asked me to do. And you see this prayer, you see this intimate exchange that's been being built up, this history that Jesus has with the Father, this history that's been built over his time and over his life. You see it come to kind of this, this, you know, tipping point to where you now see a prayer that he's offering up in that time. And he basically just says, Father, keep them close. You know, send the counselor. You know, all these things that he talks about. Let them be unified like we're unified. Let them be connected like we're connected. His heart is all about us. This is his prayer to the Father is about us and our connection with the Lord and our invitation into the Trinity, which we've talked about that so many times here. Our invitation into that relationship with the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, unbroken fellowship, that beautiful, beautiful thing. But he also talks about, he says now... um, He's in this, he, again, he's speaking to the Father. Now I come to you and these things I speak in the world so that they may have my joy made in full. I have given them your word and the world, or, and the world has hated them because they're not of the world, just like I'm not of the world. And I don't ask you to take them world, just like of the world, but just to keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just like I'm not of the world. Sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I'm sending them into the world. Yet, most of my prayer is spent asking the Father to remove me from the world and his circumstances. I don't wanna be close to it. I don't wanna be near it. I'm concerned it's gonna make me dirty. Whatever the thing may be, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to spend time in his presence to lift the pressures of this world from myself. And the father's trying to share his heart with me of this world. And I'm like in this place that I'm just trying to get into my cushy little corner. And he's trying to say, please, please, please. My kids are dying. Go and reach them. Go pull them out of the pit. I have this friend of mine who shares this story that God, God gave to her one day and it ended up in a song. And she said that God gave her this picture um, and she was in this pit. And God brought this to my mind this week and she's in this pit and, and I, above this pit was this person who had violated her pretty severely. And um, you know, God just spoke to her that set, and he just said, listen, he said, um, and she said she saw the man go away and she saw, saw God come down into her pit and, and take her up out of it. And that was, that was the song that, that she sang is that what was meant to bury you, it's not working. It's not working because I've climbed into your pit and I've pulled you out of it because my love is strong and my love won't quit. And I loved that song and it brought a lot of freedom to my life. But again, because of how I'm wired, I'm like, okay, for what? For what? Because it's kind of safe in a pit. Like there's not a lot of other things down there. It's just me and Jesus. So that's kind of not a bad place to be. But the for what is because there's a pit next to you that one of your friends is in, that your kids are in, that someone you care about is in, and you need to go and sit and pull them out. That's what this is about. We were not left here for our own, you know, whatever. I don't even, I don't have words today. It's Caleb's fault. Worship was amazing. Um, we were not left here for that. We were left here to, to seek and save the lost. That's why Jesus came, seek and save the lost. And you and I are to be about our father's business, which is seeking and saving the lost, restoring kids to their father. This is not rocket science, okay? It's really not. 
But I make it so difficult because I'm so selfish and I'm just being honest with you. And this is the thing that the father is saying to me, come into my presence, talk to me, child, about the things that are on your heart and mind, but then let me talk to you about what's on mine. And what's on him is those who are longing, longing to see their father. And some of them could be tax collectors in your lives, which Jesus was ridiculed for having dinner with them. Yeah, in today's day and age, we might say something like, oh, I can't have dinner with that person because if I do, I would affirm their lifestyle or I would say that the sin they live in is okay. I can't have a meal with them. Get over it. Invite people into your home, hear their story, hear their rich or hear their shame. I don't care if they're Republican or Democrat. I don't care if they're rich or poor. I don't care. Invite them into, their ho- into your home and spend time with people. Spend time with people and look in their face and feel their pain and hear their story and find out where they're at. And then ask the Spirit of God, what do you have to say right now? Because your wisdom, my wisdom is the wisdom of fools. His wisdom is the wisdom of the heart, of the love of the Father who knows where everyone is. This is what overflows out of the presence of God, is a heart for those that are around us. Um, It's interesting because, you know, after all these examples, the apostles are spending all this time with him. And then then it says in, in Luke, that he calls them all together, Luke 9, he says he brings them all together and gives them the authority. And he sends them out two by two to go and heal and set free and do all that stuff. And they come back. And actually it was funny because there's a little part here that I I never noticed before. It says, now Herod heard of all of this that was happening and he was greatly perplexed because it was said by some that John had risen from the dead and by some that Elijah had appeared. So all this news is like coming back to the government leader and he's like, wait a minute, I killed John. How's this happening? Like, and we've had our eyes on Jesus and yet stuff's going on over here. Like this is supposed to be the move of God, right? It's not supposed to be at 818 Butterworth. 818 Butterworth is where family gets together and we share good times and we encourage each other and we lift each other up. The things that are on the Father's heart are happening like, you know, all over the city. So government officials are going, where is this coming from? And I love that. And it says that they all come back to him and they're telling these stories of these incredible things that happened. And then all of a sudden they turn to him and they're like, hey, Jesus, you might want to send all these people home because it's getting late and they're hungry. And he's like, you know, feed them. Take care of it, just do it, meet their needs. Whatever way that you see fit, meet their needs. And I just feel like God is just calling us to such a deeper level of walking around and meeting the needs of the people that are around us and every situation that we go into. We talk about this all the time, but here's just the truth of it. Every situation that we go into, we should be saying, Father, what's on your heart? And I know we say that, but I don't live that way, I don't. I don't. I'm really good about it if I get together with a friend and they're struggling. I'm really good about it. You know, but if it's just everyday life and you're just walking along, I mean, we had a situation, Kevin and I were in a restaurant and, and I, this is the least spiritual thing that I've ever done. That was the most spiritual thing I've ever done. Kevin and I are in this restaurant and I looked at the girl who was um, serving us and I just, like, just felt like I wanted to tell her that her hair was beautiful. I'm like, your hair looks so beautiful. It's so cute. And of course my, my husband's like, girls are so weird, you know? And, and like, she kind of teared up and she's like, 
Thank you so much for saying that. Just went through this really horrible disease and my hair all fell out and it's now like coming back. And just the fact that you noticed it, like just reminded me that I've just walked through this and da da da. And I'm like, this is the least spiritual thing I've ever done. And it's like, but we, we get all these inklings, we get all these things and the Lord's trying to speak to us. And the, and the more that we listen, I feel like the more that we'll move. And I'm here to tell you that if we make history with the Father, he's gonna make history through us. And that's what he's about and that's what he's after. And so I just, I don't know, could you stand with me? I, I, wanna, I just wanna kinda take a minute. I, I'm ending a little early on purpose because to me, we can't talk about the presence of God and not just corporately as a group spend some time in it. And obviously he's still here. We believe that. He's with you when you leave. He's, he's always present. He's always moving. I'm not saying that. But there is some sort of beauty. There's some sort of depth that happens when we come together. And I just wanna give space for that. And so the thing that I'm asking is, would you open your heart this morning and allow God to speak to you. Because he's speaking. He, and he made you to listen. So you're wired for it. And you might sit there and go, maybe you've been coming here for a while and you can point out certain people in this room that hear the voice of the Lord. Okay, you hear the voice of the Lord. You have breath because he put it inside of you. So you're already connected. You're already bonded. Whether you know him or not, it's already, it's already available to you. So all I'm encouraging you to do this morning is to just literally, Caleb and Katie are gonna lead us in a song. I just encourage you to just say, okay, God, I've never done this before. Maybe that's where you're at. I've never done this before. I've never said, God, speak to me, but I'm just gonna ask you to speak to me. And I just would encourage you to listen. Write down the things you have to say. If this is new to you, find someone you know that hears the voice of the Lord and say, I think this is what God said to me. Does that sound right? Get in scripture and say, oh, look at that. It lines up with, with things of scripture. Be a part of community because the father is speaking to you. And part of it is for your own freedom and part of it is for your own healing and part of it is for your own deliverance and part of it is for you to take and to share and to, and to replicate and to spread like wildfire. That's the reason why Jesus walked this earth and I, I personally believe healed and delivered and did all of that. It was to remove the mountains that were standing between people and their heavenly father. Because sometimes when you're sick, all you can see is your sickness. Sometimes when you're depressed, all you can see is your depression. So the father wants to come in and he wants to take that and he wants to dismiss it and he wants to get rid of it so he can look you deep in the eyes and tell you that he loves you. And that's what he's about. So that's a, that's, there's a two-step thing. This is a long song. You got lots of time. There's a two-step thing that I want you to do. That's one. And then the second thing that I want you to do is say, what can I believe for someone else? What am I, Father, I believe this for me and I want to believe this for someone else. Someone you know who's hurting or lonely or scared or whatever. And I just want you to stand with them this morning and ask to take us in. He would have you do because he's putting that on your heart for a reason. And so they're gonna, they're gonna take us into this this morning. There is a lot of declaration in this song. So I really encourage you to, to just be open to it and see what, see what the father will do. And again, I really believe that it's, I don't know, he's, he's expectation changes things. And so it's okay to let a little bit poke out.
If you would like to learn more about DCC, get involved with one of our ministries, or give to support us, you can find us at achurchinthecity.org. You can also follow us on Instagram at Downtown Christian Church for Sunday morning set lists, uh, sermon series announcements, and more. You can also join us live on YouTube every Sunday morning for worship and teaching just by searching for Downtown Christian Church. We go live at 10 a.m. Eastern every Sunday. Thanks for listening.